So I just wanted to start this off by saying hello, everyone, and thanks for joining into the podcast. You're probably used to hearing myself with my good buddy, Jeremy. We are still doing the Take Drod and Jeremy Take One podcast, but this is something a little different that I wanted to do. It's just uh, opportunities came up to interview some really interesting people. And with trying to coordinate schedules, sometimes it's a little difficult to get everybody in the same room. So I wanted to talk with these folks and make sure we had an opportunity to share their story. So what'll be happening is just me meeting with folks and doing some interviews. And Jeremy's got some interviews that he'll be doing as well. And we'll be throwing them up here. And when we have the opportunities to get together, we still will. And we've got some great things planned and some ideas coming up. But first of all, I wanted to get this interview out. It's an interview I did with Lori Pankey. She's a businesswoman, single mom. And her story is really, really interesting. And it talks to someone who has a goal and isn't going to let anything stop them from reaching that goal of owning their own business and in return, helping out other people. So I hope you enjoy this interview I did with Lori. We've got many more coming up in the future, getting a bunch done. We'll be coming out with a little more regularity. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this interview that I did with Lori Pankey. All right, introduce yourself. I am Lori Pankey. What do you do, Lori? I'm a hairstylist, a salon owner, a mom. Advocate. To some extent, yep. Love your city. I do love my city, actually. I'm not from here, but I do. I call this home now. You have your causes and you believe in them? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes to the extreme, I'm trying to tone that down, but. You believe in your high school somewhat. Like, you mean my high school as in Riley's high school? Riley's high school. You support him. You support your kid. I support Riley. Yes, for sure. (laughs) But we'll get into that later. Okay. So when we talked about having a podcast, you were one of the first people that came to mind. Just because. No idea why that would be. Single mom, business owner. I think there's just so many things there that fascinate me. And that's, first of all, anybody that opens their own business, I think that fascinates me because you're it. It's Mm -hmm. You don't depend on anybody else. So I was like, I want to talk about that, especially in the industry you're in in this town. Because it seems like there's a salon on every corner. There is. Next to a chiropractor. <laughs> uh, next to a long, a long cutting business. So <laughs> that fascinates me too. How do you do that? So let's jump into that. Where, how did you get started in hairstyling? And then how did that evolve into saying, I'm going to open up my own salon? Okay. So it's a little bit of a long story. When I was in high school, I was always into like my hair, makeup. I would do other people's hair and makeup for like cheerleading pictures or sometimes prom stuff or homecoming, whatever. And so it's always been something that I've been into. I just never thought it was something that you could actually make real money at. So I went to college, got my two-year degree, actually went to college my senior year of high school. So I was a year ahead. And then, well, the way I ended up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, because I'm originally from Northern Minnesota. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. You're like cold Minnesota. Oh yeah. There's a lot of hockey up there. (laughs) Um, hockey's just as big as football up there. So I actually went to Germany. My, I think it was like my junior going into maybe senior year of high school. And I met a group. We were on the same tour bus as a group from Washington high school. And I just made friends with them really fast. They were really fun. There was another cheerleader on there. Cause I was a cheerleader at the time. There was another cheerleader from Washington high school. I ended up dating one of the guys for a brief period of time. So I came down here a little bit and I just I do love Cedar Rapids because it's like the perfect size city, in my opinion, although sometimes it feels too small now. 
<laughs> now that I've been here a while, too many people know me or think they do anyway. But I just loved that there's like a homey feeling to it, but it's still big enough that there's things going on. At the time I came from a town of 10,000 people. And so it was like very small, very close-minded. And that was not who I was. Did the town have a hockey rink? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Indoor and outdoor. There was multiple <laughs> outdoor, but yes, definitely indoor. And there were cheerleaders on the ice. Like they did all that. So I ended up after I had my two-year degree, I had to go somewhere and I didn't really, Minneapolis wasn't like my priority because it's so big. And even though it's only three and a half hours from home, it's just so big. And Duluth was too close to home and just really cold. And I've never been a fan of the cold. So I was like, well, I know people in Cedar Rapids. I could go to the University of Iowa. I know there's no reciprocity, but I'm already a year ahead. So I can just live for a year work and, um, and then go. And then that got sidelined. But that's how I ended up here. Met my ex-husband at the bar he owned because my roommate worked for him. And that's how I ended up in Cedar Rapids. And the way that's how I got started in hair. That's how I ended up here. But then my ex-husband opened restaurants and I was working for Northwest Airlines at the time. And we had moved around a little bit. He moved to Minneapolis. We moved to Richmond, Virginia. And then we ended up coming back here after our older son was born, Riley. And because we were just spending all of our vacation and every time we went somewhere, we would end up coming back here. So it just made sense. Like, why don't we just move here? You open up your own thing, which is what we did. We opened up what was, we bought Willie Woodburn's, which we then named Diner on First, which eventually became Riley's after our most prized possession at the time. And that was going well. And so I was really tired of working out in the elements and loading luggage and de-icing planes and working in the cold. Like summers and spring and fall were great, but it was just, it was brutal on you. And so I was like, I'm going to go to hair school. So that's what I did. And because I saw other people doing well and I'm like, well, I can definitely do that. And I already knew what it was to own a different type of business with my ex-husband, but I I knew the path I was going to take. When I went to school, I knew I was going to work for somebody at first, build my clientele, and then I would go out on my own, which is what I did. I started off with Regis in Iowa City. They moved me up here after three months to be management. So I got to learn all of that as well. While you were going to school or after? No, after I got out of school. So right when I got out of school, I worked at Regis in Iowa City, right across from the Ped Mall in that little mall there. And then after about three months, they moved me back up to Cedar Rapids to manage one of their locations here at the mall. I was there for about a little over two years and I decided I had had enough of that. And so I went out on my own and rented a salon suite. And I didn't really like the whole, like being closed off from everybody. I really thrive on seeing what other stylists are doing and kind of taking mental notes, watching their techniques. And so you're a people things. person. Oh, I'm totally a people person. <laughs> if you've never that, met Lori, that's kind of, a, that goes that goes without, yeah, I was gonna say that's, yeah. <laughs> so I do. That's love not people. a newsflash for anybody that listens to this and knows Lori. Yeah. Um, I love people. I love learning from other people whether it be the veterinarian, the, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but like the meth head, the, like everybody has their story and I'm just there to make their hair pretty as long as they can pay me. And I, but I am fully intrigued by everybody's story. Everybody I come across has a different version of the road they take in life. And I just think it's very intriguing. I originally went to school to be a psychologist when I was in college. So criminal psychologist, actually. So 
That's why I was watching Mindhunters when you showed up. <laughs> um, so when you were working for Northwest, were you still doing hair on the side? I didn't, I wasn't doing hair at that point. Like I worked for Northwest for quite some time and I was a supervisor there, but it was just, it's hard on the body. And I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do forever. But you, but you were doing hair in Minnesota. You were helping, or you were helping people. I was a kid. You were a kid. Doing hair in Minnesota. I was like in high school and just people saying, hey, you know what you're doing. Can you do my hair? Because I have to take pictures for cheerleading. Can you do my hair? So when you eventually came around to it, it wasn't like you were just pulling something out of the air. Right. It was something you had kind of done. I always loved. Okay, yeah. Like I just had, from the time I was very small, I mean, when I moved out, my mom jokes about how she had to replace the carpet in my bedroom because there was so much makeup on the floor in front of the mirror because I would spend and makeup and hairspray and they had to like repaint everything. And she complained about it because that was just what I loved. I mean, I hate to say it, but I used to steal makeup <laughs> when I was a kid. Cause my parents wouldn't buy me all the makeup I wanted and don't do that. But I did, I would never do that now. It's not worth it to go to jail for a $5 palette or whatever when I was a kid. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, always had a natural instinct and love for it. And so, and I truly believe that it is the people who have a natural instinct and love for it that actually can make it a live up, like able to live off of business. Like you're not going to work at, oh gosh, I'm going to be in so much trouble, but can't, I mean, it's hard to work at cost cutters and like be able to provide for a family. You know, you just on your, especially on your own, which is what I have to do pretty much. So yeah, I've always had a natural love for it, but I went into the airline industry because I love I love travel, which if anybody knows me knows that too. And so that fulfilled a need at that point, but but then once we got settled here and I was like, well, the restaurants are doing good. It's time for me to do something that I'm going to love and have a passion for. And so that's when I went to hair school. So Riley was like one or two, two. I think he was like two when I went to hair school. It's like 15 years ago. So what did you... So you obviously went in with a plan when you went into hair school because you yeah. said earlier that you knew you were going to own your own place. Yeah. Was that just a broad idea or or at that beginning, did you say by this time, amount of time after 18 months, after 24 months, no. or was it just something that kind of. So I'm always a like shoot for the stars and land on the moon. Like if you have to like kind of person. So it's always been, I always knew that the way you make real money in this business is, is like either renting a chair or doing your own. And I got frustrated renting chairs because I felt like a lot of salon over owners overstep their boundaries as an owner, which I don't feel like I do. And I have two girls that work with me now and one starting in October. And like, I love my girls. They kind of do their own thing as long as we have a, all have a mutual respect and clean up and do this. But I just knew that, I, I mean, I would have rented a chair forever if it had been that easy, but personalities and crazy people, girls are crazy sometimes, especially some, I mean, everybody's seen that crazy scale, right? I mean, I don't fall into that crazy scale, but there's plenty of stylists that do. And it just wasn't fun to work for those. Probably the best place I worked was Classic Designers for a chair rental. And it was a bunch of women when I started with them, what would have been eight years ago. They had all worked together for 25 years. So they were all significantly older. Well, not significantly, but older than me, but there was no drama and it was great. And I was like, that's what I want. But I wanted something small. I just wanted people, I wanted it to almost feel like 
a high-end barbershop for men and women. We just all come in. We have music on. We all talk to each other. We get to know each other's clients. Everybody's friendly. It's just a very laid back, comfortable atmosphere, but it is, but it's nice. It's not like a little hole in the wall. It's comfortable. So, but yeah, it was always my goal to have my own kind of business where I could come and go, where I can make it to Riley's football games. I can take Lexi to her cheerleading practice. I can be there for the important things in life and make my own hours. That has always been a priority to me. Right. So you see the, so what did you pull from the restaurants being successful? How did you, because not a lot of business owners have the opportunity to maybe be part of something that's successful before right. they branch it on their own. So, and it's a different business, but what were you able to pull from that? If anything, that allowed you to open up and say, mm, okay, I'd see that. And well, outside of the fact that just knowing the freedom that comes with it and just wanting that, I mean, I can say a lot of terrible things about my ex-husband. The one thing I I can never say is that he's not driven. He's a very driven person. And I wish I had the ADD that he has because it does help him <laughs> in what he does. But it's just being organized, I think, is a big thing, which I'm not, but I try. <laughs> and I think it's beneficial that I have a small location, that I can keep it together. But I think the drive for me was... And the biggest thing I would say that comes from the restaurants and what I do is being very educated in what you do. Like Phil was a, an executive chef and a food and beverage director before he became a restaurant owner. He also owned a bar when he was like 19, 20, 21. So he had some of that knowledge. So I was made sure that I was very knowledgeable about hair. And I think the fact that I was in management three months after, I was also a supervisor at Northwest Airlines. So I have some of that supervisory managerial experience coming into it. And then just, you know, seeing the things that Phil went through being an owner, we went through together really, you know, where you have to pick up the pieces where other people fail. Like somebody doesn't show up to do a client, you, you know, if it's a new client, you might have to pull, go in and pull it. And, and those are things that you just have to understand going in. And then one of the biggest things I learned where Phil kind of fails, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this. Oh, well, is that I, have, I can edit it out. It's fine. <laughs> I have really good people that I trust working for me. And I think that makes a business succeed. Like if you have people that are going to take advantage or are only out for themselves or aren't trying to build the business, aren't trying to do better, you know, it's going to fail because you're working against yourself. So you know, sometimes you can learn from the failures of others to bring that to the table too. And I think I did that partially too. Um, not to say that Phil has failed, but I mean, he has, there has been some restaurants closed recently. So I don't know if it's karma or if it's just, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that, I guess. So <laughs> as you're going through, you go to school, you're working in other places at what point do you start now? Do you go in telling them I'm going to have my own place one day? No, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as you're going through this, how are you building up? Okay. I'm starting to build a clientele. Yeah. How do you make it from just starting to that point of I'm going to have my own place? So I think the biggest thing that I went into is I wanted to make sure I was going into a place that was going to give me education, that there was going to be a lot of girls there that had some experience that I could learn from, but also I hate to say it, but charge the prices that I was going to want to charge when I left there. If you go to cost cutters and you're charging $10 for a haircut or whatever they charge, I don't know, I'm just using them as an example, 
you know, it's hard to let go out on your own and take a clientele and then charge them more, even though your bills are probably more at the new place and your basic costs are, are more. So I knew going to Regis that that was a good jump off point as far as like price wise. And it was a good place. They had a lot of walking, walk-in clientele. So it was easy to like build that clientele. And then as long as I didn't move very far, take the majority of them with me. And honestly, I've had the biggest growth since I got into my own place, just because I felt um, uh, confident about my location. I feel confident about the setting that we're working in. I feel confident about even just the aura of the place and like everybody being pretty positive. So I was never hesitant to be like, yeah, come see me. Yeah, come here. Come, let's do your hair. And confident, being confident in my skills. So um, that's why I started with Regis is just, I mean, working down by the college was amazing because you had doctors and nurses and then you had these like college students who wanted to do crazy things or had box dyed their hair and needed it fixed. So you learn a lot by working in a place like that. Um, And that was great, like building those skills before going off on my own. And I was also like that in college where I would see all these other girls asking their teachers to basically do a haircut that they weren't comfortable with to show them what to do, yet they weren't learning. And I'm a hands-on learner, so I need to do it. And (laughs) I remember thinking, um, you're paying like $5 for this haircut. If I screw it up, you paid $5. (laughs) You're coming to a school, you know what you're getting into. So I might screw up your hair, but most of the time I was pretty good. So was there ever a time where you really screwed up somebody's hair? Uh, One time I had the wrong guard on my clippers and I went and I was like, Oh, there's like pretty much no hair left where there was supposed to be quite a bit of hair. (laughs) So you only make that mistake (laughs) hopefully once in your career. The only other thing that's really, I had a really big screw up. Well, not, I wouldn't call it a screw up. It was just, so this, there could be a a book created that's called when clients lie. (laughs) (laughs) And basically it comes down to, you know, you ask your clients like new clients, like what do you, you know, regular clients, you don't worry because you know what they're putting on their hair. You know what you've put on their hair. But I did have a client come in and I'm like, okay, is this box color? Did you get this done professionally? And she's like, oh, it's professional. Uh, Will about eight months, six to eight months. And this girl had long hair, like halfway down her back. And she wanted a balayage. And evidently she had had previous box color on her hair, but it had been a while back. So she's like, what people don't realize is that until your hair grows out and you cut that off, that stuff is still in your hair. So evidently she wanted to do like blonde and she was previously brown. And I put lightener on her hair and I did the whole back of her hair really fast. And I got to the side and I could hear like almost like a bubbling, sizzling. I was like, do you hear that? She's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, I'm going to just check these back ones before I keep going. And it was like boiling hot to the touch. And I was like, come back to the sink. Let's rinse you. And I have never experienced that before or after. And I've seen it online in these like Facebook groups, you know, that talk about things. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's really bad. And after I'm rinsing her out, I'm like, so you've never put like a box color. She's like, oh, well, eight months ago, I used this like henna dye. (laughs) And I'm like, yep, that's why your hair is melting off right now. (laughs) So yeah, there's that book. When clients lie, when clients lie, you lose your hair. <laughs> like things go wrong. Don't so. lie to your physician or your hairdresser. Yes, that is <laughs> very good advice because 
your hair could melt off. And it's not our fault. Like if we don't know going in what's on your hair, it's really hard. You know, it can be hard. It could be disastrous. But so now you're ready to open up your own place. Yeah. What was that like? What was that? What was that time frame like? Where, oh, how did you how did you know when to do it? What was it like? Was it somebody? Did you bounce it off a girlfriend and or anything like that? Or were you just like, now's the time? So I had been working with and I cannot remember the group. There's a group in town that helps like with potential new business owners. And I had been meeting with this lady. I can't remember her name because this is many, many years. This is 10 years ago. And putting together a business plan. And she didn't quite understand because there was nobody part of that group that was a hairstylist owner previously. Cause these are like retired people who are worked in the industry and can help you like with all of this supposedly she had no clue. So she was a little bit useless, but it was something that I had been working on even prior to my divorce. I was originally going to go in cause Riley or Phil had a Riley's right next to La Cantina or right where Jimmy Z's is now. And I was going to open up a salon in La Cantina. I had met with Steve Emerson. We had gone, walked through the building. We were going to have heat yoga in the basement. And I think back now and I'm like, man, that would have taken off. Like <laughs> you look at it now and you're like, oh, all these you're before things your time. that people did. And like, yeah, it was before the heat yoga place opened. It would have been incredible. But that was also about the time that our, my marriage like crashed and burned. And so it, we never actually finished the deal on that, but it was on my mind even back then. So it actually ended up being that I was just frustrated with where I was and I had posted on Facebook. I said, I think I'm over it. I'm just going to move to Des Moines, start over. I just need to get away um, with my kids and yada, yada, yada. And the girl who works next to me now, she owns a massage place. She said, we were friends and she messaged me and she's like, are you interested in opening up your own salon? I'm like, yes. <laughs> why? And she just presented me like my landlord is amazing. Um, his name's Kurt. He used to own Northland Fitness, which he's now sold. And he just owns the building that we are in now, but, um, gr- incredible landlord. I can't, I mean, we've had a couple of times where we're had our difference of opinion, but for the most part, he's amazing. And I met with him. She got me hooked up with him, met with him. He gave me a really good deal to start out, which was awesome. And It was scary though, because I literally took two years of tax returns that I had saved. Now understand, like I had gone through, I was going through a divorce, which takes a lot of money and it didn't have a lot of money because I went from living in this big fancy house on a private drive and having nice cars and not having to worry about money and being forced to make the decision to leave the marriage and then living in a friend's basement in a room, in a bed with my then seven-year-old son and my newborn in the crib in the same room. And so I had been like stockpiling money, like every extra penny I would get, I would put it away. So when I went to go into this, I was scared because it literally was going to take every penny I had saved. I would do it all over again, obviously, because it's been, it's worked, but it was a risk worth taking. And it was something I'd always wanted to do. And the deal that he had presented me with was just too good to like take a shot. Okay. Let's play what if. Okay. You stay married. Mm-hmm. Marriage is going fine. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have ever opened up your own place? Yeah. A lot faster. A lot faster. Yeah. If we were good, I would have done it a lot faster. Do you think it would have been successful though? Yes. Yeah. And it, But it's because it seems like 
you just have drive. I do. I mean, anybody, anybody knows you, you have drive mm-hmm. and determination. Mm-hmm. And do you think that helped with how things have gone? That, you know, that staying in a friend's basement with your two kids yeah. and, and putting that money away and being that, you know, mm-hmm. that diligent and everything. For sure. Okay. So being in a friend's basement and all that, it has taught me greatly to respect money. And I rarely, if ever, buy anything on credit, like ever. Like my my house is obviously on credit. My car is on credit. And right now my solar panels are on credit just because. You love those solar panels. I love my solar panels because (laughs) I don't have an electric bill. I just pay a loan payment on my solar panels That was the best thing that company ever did was sell you. They're like, man, we got a customer (laughs) and advertisement all in one. I know. I was like, she's got to be cutting some sort of advertising deal with them. Well, I'm supposed to get a kickback, but, you know, it's hard to know who actually follows through. But, I mean, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer, and I actually found out about it. I tend to digress. Sorry about that. But I found out about it from a friend because she's like, I have no electric bill. Instead, I pay a loan payment, which is about the same price. But when the loan payment's paid off, I still won't have an electric bill. And I'm like, why doesn't everybody have solar panels? Everybody should have solar panels. It's like, get off. And, and here's the best part. Like, Alliance, prices are going up. But guess what? The amount they pay me for the additional solar power they take from me goes up as well. So it's an even trade. So I'm not paying anything more. Y'all are. My loan payment stays the same. Y'all are paying more. Anyway, what it taught me was to pinch pennies and do sales whenever possible. Wait until you have the money to buy things. Don't pay interest on things, whatever. So being in that position taught me that. I will say there was a driving force in being able to be like, um, I did this without you. Like you didn't do this for me. And I literally got into the business a month after my first child support payment. So, and I love that too, because he can't say you opened that off of my money. No, I was literally supporting my children on my own for many years with like no money. And just the grace of my friend who let me live in their basement um, for like pretty much just $60 a month, which is all I really had. And free hairstyles for a lifetime. Yeah, well, I did do free haircutting (laughs) for quite some time. Not forever, but for many years, even after I moved out, I did. Um, Because I was so grateful to him. I still will see them out in the bar and I'm like, I buy him a shot because I'm like, you saved my life. He literally messaged me the day, the night that I was looking into the phone numbers for the homeless shelter. Because that's where my next step was the following day is that I was looking at homeless shelters for families in Waypoint, I believe, is where I was going to be calling the next day, literally. And he messaged me on Facebook and he's like, how are you? And I'm like, not good. And um, I told him what was going on. And he said, well, I have this huge house because my ex-wife had a bunch of children. I just have one child. There's, we don't even use the basement if you want to hang out down there. And I hope someday I can pay it forward, which I think I have to some extent, you know, you know, I coached the boys in basketball for that one year. And I, even when I was on food stamps, I was buying them meals because sometimes their parents would send them without money for tournaments that we were doing. And so I've always tried to help, you know, Riley's friends and stuff if they needed it. And even this last year, uh, boy that, you know, I told Riley, I said, if he needs to live with us his senior year to make sure that he graduates stays out of trouble. He can live with us. Like I will always try to find a way to pay it forward. Um, 
But, but anyway, getting back to what I was saying, like, yeah, there is definitely some like drive and just being like, I'm going to do this because I divorced you. Meanwhile, you had put all the, all the restaurants in your father's name the first time I threatened to divorce you. So that's how you're hiding them from me. And I'm getting nothing out of any of these. And I'm like, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to get there. I'm going to work hard. You know, when I don't have my kids, I'm at the, I'm there sometimes till every Thursday I'm at work till at least nine o'clock. If not, like there's been times I've been there till midnight, just like to fit people in because. And you hustle. I I mean, that's, I mean. I try. You hustle. And I think that's, what's really cool. It's like, First, you have to follow Lori on social media. It's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but the things you see are, hey, I've got a five o'clock open yeah. today. Yeah. And it's not like, man, I, I hope somebody calls me. It's like, mm-hmm. I've got this. I've yeah. got this. I got this. So yeah. it's like you've kind of reached this level. But mm-hmm. then it's like some people could say, well, here you are renting out. You've gone from renting a chair to renting out chairs. Mm-hmm. Some people could say, uh, you know, I may mm-hmm. do one or two a week or whatever, but. It's like, do you still have that same drive that you had before or is it worse? I have the drive because we have AAU basketball and we have new cleats and we have this and we have that. And I still don't have a 401k. I still don't have a retirement. So even though I do rent to people, it doesn't cover, it it wouldn't pay for my life because they're part-time. It's not like I'm full. And it's not like I did the salon to like I was going to be wealthy, like maybe someday I'll expand whatever, but for now it's fine. I just wanted it to be comfortable. I wanted to be able to go there and be happy, but the hustle comes from the years when Riley asked me if we could go to McDonald's and I had to tell him no, because I had to buy diapers and having to juggle, like, can I, if I put, if I buy diapers, will I have enough for gas? Do I have enough diapers to make it till tomorrow so I can go to work, make a little money and then get gas? Like it was an incredible like shuffle, like being on food stamps and being on assistance, people think, oh, that's the life. But it's like, you get food stamps, you can eat, you can't live. Like you still have to find a way. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of assistance that people get for housing. I don't know how they got it. I looked, um, but going from having to deny my son a $5 happy meal and being like, we have to go off food stamps. Like I'm going to have to cook dinner tonight. I'm sorry. And now it's like, I can buy him a pair of Jordans every now and then for his birthday or something. And it's like, that's what drives me. And, um, I get weepy with him and he's like, I'm fine, mom, I'm fine. And, uh, because it took me until last year. Cause I promised him when I left his dad, I'm like, I'll get us a house with a yard and a neighborhood and all the things. And it took me until last year to be able to do that because I just, I needed a reasonable down payment because, um, you know, I had to file bankruptcy with my divorce. I had to just, just lost everything, you know, went from have being good and never worrying about money to being the very bottom filing bankruptcy, not being able to get a loan, having a super crappy car that sometimes didn't even have heat. And I had to have blankets in the car. And it's like, never will I be there and never will I let my children be there. And I've always told Riley, I'm like, you know, he's going to go to school for sports management and he's scared because he's like, nobody usually makes it. And I'm like, you will always have a place to sleep. You will never go hungry. You can always move back home as long as you're trying and to do something. 
And that's what I wanted. Also part of that is wanting to show him like with hard work and effort and drive that you can get to where you want to, if you try, like, do I wish I had maybe done a different path? Like gone to school to be a lawyer. Like I kind of wanted to maybe life would have been easier, but I wouldn't have my kids. I would have had different kids probably, but brats probably. (laughs) And that is one thing that I really love about Riley. And you know, Lexi was too little to remember any of this, but Riley knows the value of a dollar. And he gets very frustrated because he'll go to school and there's kids at school who are like, he's, they think he's rich. And he's like, they have no clue what we've been through. They have no clue that I worked all summer to buy my Jordans because that was his like bonus after like, I mean, there are days that I see Riley buys his own lunch because I'm like, dude, like if you're going to eat out every day, I can't afford it. Cause I still can't like, I save up to have nice things and I save up to do special things, but it's still every day is still like, all right, I need to hustle and make sure that there's money in the bank. I need to make sure like I start saving the little bit of child support I get because he doesn't pay everything he's supposed to so that I can pay for Christmas, give them a good Christmas. But Riley understands like I do absolutely what I can, but I can't do everything. Like I can pay for your AAU ball, but we need to eat dinner at home all the time. You know, it looks like we live a, like a crazy, like good life, like things are easy, but it's not, you know, I just pick and choose like my, what's really important. You sacrifice for what you want. Yeah. I sacrifice on the day to day, you know, and I might go out for a night and be like, I have $20. Hopefully some cute guy wants to buy me drinks. (laughs) (laughs) And if they don't, then that's just what it is. I get $20. Where are the drink specials? Where are the drink specials? Where are we going for happy hour? I'm going to have a From six to six 30, we got to be here and then here and then we're going to move on. So, I mean, it, you know, I have made us a good life, but literally, I mean, it took me eight years to be able to buy a house. And I love my house and I love my neighborhood and I wasn't going to settle for anything less than what I really wanted. And I saved and I waited and I actually bought my insurance agent's house because we could do it without a lawyer. And it was in the neighborhood I wanted and it's the perfect size house and, and I love it. Um, and my kids are happy and like Lexi has neighborhood kids she runs around with and Riley has a basketball hoop out at the church lot back there that he can play basketball. The boys come over. Dee Dee's been here in the basement watching football. Like it's a, this was like my, like I have a checklist and I've always been one who's like, some people will go buy the like cheap $200 couch and I will live without a couch until I can afford the couch I want because I'm like, oh, that's a waste of $200. And that's how I look at life. I'm like, I will drive the car. Like my car didn't have heat for the last eight months. So when it was cold, I didn't have heat on the driver's side. And it wasn't until I paid off my furniture in this house. It was like on an interest-free, whatever. And the furniture I had bought when I moved here, because I told myself when I was living in my condo, I was like, I am not buying furniture until I move because I need to save. So that was a treat is that I got to buy new furniture when I moved in here. But I was like, I can't buy a new car, even though I have stuff starting to go wrong with it until I pay off the furniture. So then like clockwork, I pay off the furniture and literally my air conditioning goes out. <laughs> I'm like, ah, on the way to Kansas City for AAU basketball. And we're sweating on the way there, halfway there. Luckily, an oil change fixed it. But I was like, it's just a matter of time before it goes out again. So, so then I bought a car. So I put a big down payment on it. And that's always been a thing of mine. I'm like, put a big down payment on it because if I have to go 
work as a secretary because something happens, I can still afford my payments. Like I'll be just able to afford my payments, but I'll still be able to do it. So yeah, that's, that's what drives me. When I'm like, I have a gap of an hour. I'm like, I want to fill that gap instead of just sitting here or instead of like going to the mall and spending money. Like I'd rather fill that when I have the time and my kids are busy doing their thing than just sit and be on my phone. Cause every penny I make is money that can go into potentially savings for something I might need down the road. You know, if my car breaks down, um, I can fix it. I can afford to fix it. And that is a comfort that I didn't know 10 years ago, nine years ago, I guess it would be, be 10 years end of February. So could 18 year old Lori had ever imagined where you are now? I think I always had big dreams. Um, no, I never, I never saw myself as divorced and raising my kids pretty much on my own. Um, cause the kids don't really stay at their dad's Riley hasn't for years. I never thought like I always was, I always wanted to be married and have a strong partnership with the husband. He would have been the head of the household. I would have been his dutiful wife mother working, but trophy wife. Okay. (laughs) I could do that too. Um, you know, I was, that was what I wanted my life would be. And I thought it would like, like, why not? I'm a good person. Like I I'm willing to, and I always, always wanted to work. I never wanted to be a stay at home mom. Um, because I do like money. I like nice things and, you know, travel has always been a big thing to me. And, um, no, I would not have imagined me being here specifically did what I have imagined me being in an okay place. Yeah. Maybe even more successful, but I never would have imagined. Okay. That's funny. You say I that more through. successful. Yeah. Well, how do you, why do you say more successful? Because I still struggle. Like it's still hard. There's still like last week was a slow week for me. And I, I had to remind myself like, I have a minimum goal that I have to hit every week. Otherwise I'm like, Ooh, like I'm going to have to figure out something like, do I donate plasma? Do I, whatever. And I hit the minimum goal, but it was still a slower week than what I'm used to or used to recently in the last like couple of years. And I had to remind myself I'm okay. Like I hit my minimum. I can still pay the bills. I can still provide comfortably for us, but I didn't ever imagine having to worry about money as much as I do. So, and I, and I don't know if I'm the exception, but I don't think so. I think a lot of people worry about money because the more you have, the more you spend, yada, yada, yada for most people. But I really would have hoped to have more of a like savings and more of an investment plan. Like I literally told Riley, we were on our way to like a, we were on our way back from an AAU tournament, I think in Kansas city and, or no, it was in St. Louis. And he said, he goes, well, by the time I'm 54, I should be making $3 million a year if all goes well. First of all, I love that. I love that he has that goal. I love that he's has the forethought to like think that way and have like a plan of like, I'm not going to get married or be in a serious relationship through college. And I'm going to, he wants to be a scout for an NFL team right after college. And he's going to hit the ground running, try to pay off his bills and live with like five dudes if he has to, to cut costs and just pay off his student loans that he has and then start like stocking money away. And his goal is to just hustle 
And, and I love that, whether it's his dad's drive or my drive or the combination of the two has him on that path where I know I'm not going to have to worry about him. Laxton, she's a little bit of a <laughs> thunder, like a tornado in a petting zoo. I don't know. She's like, she's the one I'm going to have to worry about, but she has two older siblings that I hope will make sure she's good if anything ever happens to me. But I told him, I said, oh, you're going to be making 53. I'm like, really, by then the house should be paid for, blah, 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 blah. I said, I don't have it for, uh, I don't have like a retirement because I've been paying for your AAU basketball in the hopes that it'll pay for your student loans. I said, so you're welcome to like kick me like $25,000 a year. I'm like, I'll be your dependent. (laughs) You can claim me. And uh, I've always joked that I'm going to live in his pool house. Sorry, girls. I'm living with my son (laughs) and take care of my grandbabies. Like I've always joked with him about that, but I love that whatever I've brought up to him, that he's whatever I've shown him, taught him the hardships he's seen me go through. I know that he'll have a better life. He'll be way more successful than I am. I'm sure of it. He's just, you know, Riley, he's very even keel, doesn't get involved in drum. (laughs) I sometimes do. Um, And he's just, he's smart and he's smart enough to do what he needs to do to get to where he wants to be. So that's, he'll have the success that I wish I would have had. And that's fine. As long as my kids are good and I'm comfortable, I'm okay with it. Sweet. Well, you have a game to get to. Yeah. Party. Um, But I reserve the right to have you on again, because there's so many (laughs) other things to talk about. But but I want to say thank you for opening up, telling your story. I think a lot of people will Mm. will listen to this. Well, I hope a lot of people listen to this. But those who do, I think they'll, you know, they'll hear someone who's open, honest. And Mm. was that I I think, yeah, rock bottom. I think it's safe to say rock bottom, but, you know. Scratch yeah, and claw and climb their way up, and yeah, because I didn't saying have, you have my a, parents here. Yeah, it was all me. Not having a perfect life, but a good life, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes, and uh, you know, I, I, I look back now, and I'm like, I wish 50 year old Rod could have spoken to 24 year old Rod, you know, and just some mm-hmm. of the lessons you learn. But sometimes going through them are the best way to learn. And then mm-hmm. your job, like you said, is to pay it forward. Yeah. Somebody helping you at your lowest point. Yeah. And now the ability to, I think the ability to help someone else is just incredible. Yep. You know, like giving somebody, you know, $10 that's homeless on the street, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, the, the good that that gives you is so, it's so fun sometimes. I like to focus on that. Like you say the homeless guy on the street, I don't usually do that, but (laughs) I like to try to help the kids. Like I really that to me is huge because I, I think that adults, they're broken. It's hard. Like if we want to change our community, if we want to change. That's, that's the next episode. Hold on. That's the next, that's the next time you're on is you and you're and playing a role in your community. That's the yeah. next one. Yeah. I think that's so important. If you want to change your community, you have to change the youth. You have to show them a better way. That's cool. And that's, that's where I like to pay it forward. Like a way to give them a step up. Nice. Well, thank you for doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. All right. Well, that's it. We'll see you next time. We'll definitely have you back on because it's fun to talk to you. Yeah. All right. right on. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Lori. It was a lot of fun sitting down with her and just hearing her story and her thoughts as she really, really 
battle to set her goals, reach her goals, and then try to uh, do so many great things. It won't be the last time we speak with Lori. He's just a, a fun person to talk to, not afraid to share ideas. Like I said, cares for where she lives, the people around her, and is always looking to do better things. So thanks again to Lori for taking the time to sit down with me and share her thoughts and ideas in her story and really opening up. And uh, even in that interview, there were things I didn't know that she shared that was a really, really nice uh, story to tell. Difficult, you know, times in her life, but still being able to share them. And hopefully uh, someone can hear that and realize that, you know, Better things are ahead, and if you really set your mind and set some goals, that you can really, you know, attain the things that you want to do. So again, thanks for taking the time to listen. Jeremy and I will be getting together. You'll be hearing more from us. Got some big things coming up. Really looking forward to the Magnolia Boulevard opening up for Blues Traveler coming up in November at the Paramount Theater. That'll be fun. Uh, Get your tickets. Support this great band that we had the opportunity to meet with over the summer. Uh, He's got some great stories from his Hinterlands trip, as well as some uh, other musicians that he's gone out to see and do some interviews with. And he's really expanding what he's doing with the Black Cat Bone Productions. And so it's going to be really exciting to hear and see what he has coming up in the future. That's it for today, folks. Go out, make it a great day. Be nice to each other. And we'll see you again real soon. Mm -hmm.